You're listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum focused and dedicated 100% to sales development. If you care about growing your skills and getting more new sales appointments, pipeline, and closed one deals, you came to the right place. Subscribe to the show on YouTube, iTunes, or Spreaker, and be sure to go back and listen to all the episodes for the best strategies, tips, and tactics out there on running a high-performance sales development program. And now, your host, founder, and CEO of TenBound at TenBound.com, David Delaney. Imagine cold calling a C-level executive at a Target account where he or she personally picks up the phone and agrees to a meeting because they just happen to be seeking a solution like yours. Stop imagining and start dialing with DiscoverOr, the world's leading prospect intelligence platform. Visit discoverorg.com forward slash SDR to learn more. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. This is a thrill for me. I am so excited to get this individual on the show. This is someone I've been following for years, has made a huge impact on my life. And I think if you haven't been following him, you're nuts because he's, he's making a huge impact in this industry. Sangram Vajri is the co-founder and CMO of Terminus and the author of Account-Based Marketing for Dummies. How are you doing today, sir? I am good, man. Thank you so much. The fact that you just said like I had an impact, man, you know, that makes my day. Isn't that what we all want to do every day? Yeah, it really, I mean, um, you know, I, as I was prepping for the show, I watched an interview that you did about a year ago um, on YouTube with an agency where you were talking about how you came up with the Flip My Funnel movement and where you were kind of coming from in putting that together. And I remember watching that about a year ago and I go, that th- this guy gets it. He really understands what's going on out there. So in any case, I'm a fan, as you could tell. Thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> Man, thank you so much. Uh, hopefully I can do justice to you and your audience. Yeah, you got it. Absolutely. So if there's still some people that have been under a rock for the last few years and <laughs> don't know about your background, could you bring us up to speed? How'd you, how'd you go from you know, the last few years to become a real thought leader in this space? Awesome, man. I don't know about a thought leader, but I definitely have a lot of thoughts like all of us, and I try to put it out there as much as, as possible. So very quickly, uh, you know, probably the most recent one has been like I ran marketing at Pardot and we got acquired by Exact Target and then acquired by Salesforce within a year. So that was like, you know, pretty awesome to go from a 150 people startup company all of a sudden to be part of the most iconic brand out there like Salesforce. And I still remember like this is something I share quite often is that when we got acquired, you know, the, the manager I had at Exact Target, he said, that, hey, you know, whatever you do at Pardot, you know, think think like, you know, you're 1x. And now that you're acquired by exact target, think about 10x. I'm like, yeah, I got it. That sounds sounds great. I can start thinking big. I get it. Six months later, when we got acquired by Salesforce, he said, remember the 10x conversation we had? I'm like, yeah, of course, I'm working on it. I'm thinking big. And, you know, I got my team working on it. He said, oh, no, 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 forget about it. Now start thinking 100x because now you are part of Salesforce. And, and really, that, that made a big impact on my life and my career and, and my thought process is that when you, when you think about stuff, it really matters how you think and how big you think and what, what big really means to you at any given standpoint. So I think all that to share is that it really stretched my imagination of like what the world can be and, and what one thought can, you know, one idea can truly change the world. 
So long, kind of along the way, you know, I was uh, stayed at Salesforce for a couple of years to see how the magic happens behind the scenes. Truly, truly amazing, and it can be a whole series of like what I learned at Salesforce at some point um, that I'm, I'm happy to share. Uh, and then, you know, along the lines, right? You know, we got we had a second kid, and my wife was like, "Yeah, this is great. We're 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 in Atlanta." And, you know, the opportunity was for me to go to Salesforce uh, headquarters in San Francisco and, and be there. My wife is like, no, 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 you're staying. We're staying here. We got two kids. We're not moving. And uh, so that made me think like, gosh, I, I got to figure out what else I'm going to do. So long story short there, I met a couple of my co-founders. Uh, they were all already on a journey of doing some really interesting thing in the B2B advertising space. And I just felt like it was godsend where you know everything aligned i'm not a tech guy but i'm the, i'm a marketer at heart so I, I believe that what they were working on was an incredible incredible technology that was just not talked about and and that led us to the whole idea of account-based marketing ended up writing a book on abm that wiley's published a couple of years ago which has been phenomenal and honestly you know david the, the biggest thing probably the most exciting thing for me is having people ha seeing people who have now account-based marketing as their title you know if you think about it two years ago that wasn't even a thing and now there's going to be a shortage of people looking for uh, for uh, for people who have that in their job description or who have done something in ABM you can literally google and see hundreds of thousands of job looking for account-based marketing and I feel like you know man that's something that I can uh, take all the way to the grave that is amazing. I mean, it's category creation. I think that's what they used on the interview that I saw with you. It's category creation. And and so I'm looking right now, I've got the book in front of me. And so there's two funnels, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's the there's the old school funnel that's the regular shape. And then there's the flip my funnel. So tell us about that. Uh, what's the difference between these two? Sure. And again, I always love to tell stories. So a quick story <laughs> on that is like, you know, I was... I was at MarTech conference uh, by Scott Brinker, and most people kind of had, you know, going to that conference, and I just wanted to learn, and I saw Jill Raleigh, who is a social selling evangelist, and, and I'm assuming most of your community people uh, in, in your community are very aware with Jill and her work, and she was speaking at a MarTech conference, and I was, like, blown away. So Jill and I started talking, and then on a flight back from San Fran to Atlanta, I was stuck in a middle seat between two incredibly drunk people. So if you have a five-hour flight oh. and you're sitting in the middle seat with two drunk people, like there are only two choices. Try to jump off the plane or try to just put your headphones in and, and be creative. So that's what I, I chose the second choice. And, and I was just sitting down at a piece of napkin. I started to draw the traditional funnel, as you said. And I was like, well, if it has to be a funnel, like how this is a decade-old funnel, how do we change this? How do we make people uh, – how do we change the way people think about stuff? And you can just go and tell, here's a new idea. You have to – always think about like meet where, where people are. So identify the problem where there is and then define a promised land. Right? That's kind of the standard way of looking at things. So so I just flipped the funnel out of pure curiosity and started coming up with the stages. So like do you really answer your question that the biggest difference between the two funnels and anybody can go to terminus.com or flipmyfunnel.com and you could see the whole narrative around it. But the biggest difference is the traditional funnel really is broad at the top, which means let's just make calls, emails, landing pages, ebooks, and send to as many people as you possibly can. And hopefully some of them would be the right audience. And hopefully some of them might have time and money to buy. And hopefully some of them become your customer. 
So just that by scenario, as a salesperson, you, you, everybody's pretty familiar with this, that the, the Forrester stat that less than 1% of your target audience or one, less than 1% of the leads that sales and marketing teams create turn into customer, which only means that 99% of what we do doesn't really work. So flip my funnel is an answer, a promised land, if you will, or philosophy that one can think about, which is start with the customer first. So the top of the pyramid is really identify your target audience. Like who are you going after? And it's not a person, it's really the accounts that you want to go after. It is, it's a financial services company in Fortune 500. So let's just get, the, get to those, right? Don't, don't worry about everybody else. Just focus on those 500 financial services like Fortune you know, companies that you want to go after. The second part is expand, which means go after the people now within those companies and expand your reach. Don't just worry about that one person who fills out a lead and you try to get in. Get in front of all the other people that are part of the decision-making process. That will, newsflash, never ever fill out a form or never respond to your email. We all know that. And so we know there are 10, 15 people part of the decision-making process. Focus on those. Let's just go after them. And then engage, engaging people on their terms. Emails and calls, we all know, are really, really challenging to get responses on. Maybe they watch videos. Maybe they still respond to direct mail. Maybe they well, go on certain websites on ESPN and, and watch the game and stuff. So be where they are. Meet where they are. Engage people on their terms. And then finally turn them into advocates. So I kind of went through it really fast. But you can see all the narrative on, on flipuncle.com. And the whole idea was... Let's create, it's not about Terminus, it's not about our company, we obviously help and do some of it, but it's really, how do we change the perception of like volume-based marketing and sales activities to really tiered, focused, targeted account marketing and sales? And, and that has, you know, as you know, has, has really been a great uh, way to introduce a new category to the community. Yeah, it, it has. I mean, it's, it's really taken off because I think sales... Sales understands where you're coming from when you talk account based because that that's kind of how they've always looked at it, and then marketing understands it because it's it's uh, generating real real interest, real pipeline, real revenue. So it, it just makes sense across the board. But I've got tons of questions for you. So, so one is a lot of the executives that I I talk to about this, they came of age during the original funnel. And now they're in executive positions and they're still obsessed with leads and marketing qualified leads and sales qualified leads and, and, you know, the old way of doing things. And, you know, when you talk to somebody who still looks at the world from that old methodology, where do you start to explain account-based? Now, that's a great question. Uh, you know, there are a lot of early adopters and, and that's what happens with every new category is like, People who want to just, you know, try a new iPhone, right? There are people still standing outside the the Apple uh, store trying to get your iPhone, even though you know you're not, you know, we can get it two days later or through Amazon. So we always have early adopters, and then people who are trying to like see what happens, and then you know, mass market adoption, and and that's where kind of we are. I think in, intuitively, people get it. People understand. Yeah, right. Let's go after the right people on the right channels and engage them on their terms. Makes perfect sense. The problem is, in my view, and and just going through like you know, Terminus now has about four hundred customers, and I, I enjoy talking to our customers and learning from what they're doing. And what I've learned is, it's not necessarily the uh, the starting point. I mean, they they they're definitely a, a really a lot of things that they can do to kind of start off. 
but it really starts with identifying who you're going after. Like if we don't know what your target audience looks like and it's simple and painful it might sound for somebody, a lot of companies don't know it. They don't know who their target audience is. We have uh, been on calls and, and I have turned down some people who wanted to buy term and say, guys, you need to go back and look at, if you don't know which accounts you're going to go after, this probably is not a good idea because you will be wasting a lot of money. So I think the number one step in this whole process is to align marketing sales together and say, we are one team and our job is, like or you could hashtag one team is what we call it, you know, your job is to figure out what your target audience looks like. And once you do that, once you truly do that, and B2B, we are like blessed because in B2B, it's not hard to find. Either we are going after um, X industry or we're going after this vertical and or we are going after this geography. It's not like B2C where we're trying to sell Nike shoes to a millions of people all over the world. We, we can really truly find out which accounts are. And there are all kind of tools from LinkedIn to or Navigator to all that to kind of distill it down to a list of accounts. So number one step or the starting point for anybody to look at is really identifying the right accounts that they want to go after. How many more meetings could you set if your team made three times more calls per day and connected directly to decision makers? How much bigger would your pipeline be if you booked 20% more meetings this month? Don't wonder. Check out DiscoverOrg at discoverorg.com forward slash SDR for personalized demo. Right, and, and that I think comes down to alignment on the senior executive team between the leader of sales and the leader of marketing. Because a lot of times it's like the right hand doesn't really know what the left hand is doing. And, and they're, they've got different KPIs and different ways to get that big old bonus at the end of the year that they're trying to go with. And it's like, it, it seems like Really, it kind of has to start from the C CEO to say, hey, hey, you know, we really need to get on the same page around this because otherwise there's going to be that misalignment, right? Absolutely. I actually wrote a post on that the buck stops at the CEO when it comes to account-based marketing. Uh, I think I published on Inc. recently. And the whole point of that was, to your, you are so right, man. I think it's not just marketing and sales. Like if, if, and here's the thing, and I think everybody in the sales community would totally, hopefully empathize and understand this very quickly, is you know nobody on the sales side ever closes Johnny or Sangram or Dan or Dan, none of that, right? We close accounts, that means that's why we have account executives. Nobody hires elite executives on the sales side. So sales have always, always understood the meaning of account. Marketing on the other side has been giving them leads and thereby the disconnect. Like you're giving them leads when they're closing accounts. So it's not like it shouldn't be that hard for all of us to recognize that that is the problem. If you give leads to your sales team who are trying to close accounts, there is going to be a disconnect no matter what. So, so I think we need to kind of stop giving leads to sales, but actually say, what are the accounts we need to go after, guys? Let's come up with that. Figure out which tier you want to go after. And, and you're absolutely right. If the, if the CEO of the company is saying, marketing, give me 1,000 leads a month because our conversion rate is 10%, so I need 1,000 leads to close you know, X number of deals, then marketing is going to just go ahead and create incredible infographics and ebooks and all kinds of things to just generate those 10,000 leads and ask for more money. But in, in all of this, we lose the point of like, or how many of them are actually our ideal customer profiles? How many of them are actually the accounts we want to sell to? And that's really where lies the conundrum. 
Exactly. And and I've, I've asked this, I mean, I've talked about this before, but it's like 10 years ago or so, there was this position called the chief revenue officer, you <laughs> know, that, that was supposed to be, it was supposed to cure this problem because, you know, we're all the, at the end result, it's how is the revenue tracking back to the pipeline and tracking back to the appointments and somebody kind of overseeing this divide between sales and marketing. But then it seems like the CRO has kind of disappeared you don't really see them around or they're just like a glorified vp of sales that is absolutely true man yeah. i think i think we have seen this i've seen this personally time and time again so you know just very quickly at terminus we hired todd mccormick as our cro and then peter herbert as our vp of marketing and both of them have the same exact number and they call it hashtag one team. Uh, and, and the whole point is that marketing does not have a different number than re- and then uh, the chief revenue officer. It's one number. And none of them ever talk about leads. They only talk about here's our tiered accounts we want to go after. What does our penetration look like? And I'm not trying to share that, hey, we got it all right. Like we make so many mistakes at our own company trying to figure it out. Because I'll be honest, it is extremely hard to change this whole notion of like less is more and, and the only accounts and what about all the inbound you get. It is extremely hard because we are we're training salespeople to have more calls, more emails because of percentage dropping. So it's it, it was an incredibly hard journey for us so far. Even though we are talking about account-based marketing, it was one of the hardest things for us to do internally. But I'll tell you this, now that we are actually living it and doing it, we are seeing incredible amount of like beautiful, not only just results, but the harmony, the conversations are no longer about give me that lead or you haven't given me enough leads or what do I do with this? It's more of like, or, or what the SLA between my MQL is between and your SQL, like all those stupidity, like it's totally off. And we're now focusing on, okay, guys, we only have 15% penetration of our target accounts. What are we doing? How do we get in front of these accounts? Guess what? Sales and marketing, everybody's ears are perked up and they can think about what to do. So it's a beautiful thing. So they're actually starting to focus on the right problem versus uh, just the noise of the old model that just doesn't work anymore. I got two questions for you. Okay. This is a challenge. When I go in and I start working with companies and I start talking about this and it's kind of deer in the headlights, one is the, the metrics to be able to identify success because the old everything's still set up for the old model of, right uh, uh, you know uh, you know get a hundred leads make a thousand phone calls da, 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 and then it goes down into sales but it's really hard to use salesforce to set up like an abm you know program and then the second thing is and it's probably what you guys do is how do you measure the effectiveness of that penetration that you're talking about yeah, no, man. I think those are both of them are really, really important questions. I'll take the second one first and then I'll get back to Salesforce. So in terms of just measurement, you're absolutely right. I mean, Salesforce is a great place to kind of as a starting point, where are the accounts and what stages they are. You can run even pipeline velocity campaigns or upsell, cross-sell campaigns. That's the beauty of account-based marketing. If you know your account, you can run ABM across the board. It's no longer marketing, give me leads. Marketing can actually say, okay, we have opportunities stuck in the pipeline. We need to kind of move them forward. Well, what happens in the pipeline? Well, at stage three, uh, it gets stuck in procurement. Okay, so we need to create something to appeal to the procurement team why this is a wise investment. Okay, let's create content, let's create some ad campaigns and go after the procurement team in these target accounts. 
imagine the conversation, right? Like it, it, it changes the whole marketing value prop. They're no longer talking about leads. They're talking about how do we close deals together. So, so I just want to kind of highlight the fact that ABM, if, if anybody's thinking out there still that it's a demand generation, give me leads, sales, we'll work on it kind of thing, then they're grossly underestimating the power that account-based marketing can bring to your organization as both as sales and marketing. It can be used for upsell cross. So think about if you have a division at GE that you have selling to, and now you already have them a customer, you want to sell to every single division within GE, guess what? You can literally put GE and say, all right, here are all the other functions within GE or, or divisions we want to go after. Let me start putting ad campaigns or direct mail or email campaigns to all of them, and marketing sales can work together on it. So, so just wanted to kind of make sure people understand ABM is way broader for almost every single marketing and sales activity. It's no longer about marketing, giving me leads, and sales will work. So that's just at a high level, just so people recognize the power of it. Okay. Then going back to your question around like using Salesforce from a reporting perspective, it, it's really, really hard to do that. And when we think about the what should marketing share with sales to show value of ABM and if it's not leads, and that's a very fair question. And I believe the answer to that question lies in, in time and engagement. So for example, if somebody's spending more time with you, let's just take a, a, a hypothetical, right? You know, two people in a, in a relationship. Well, if you're in love with somebody, what are you going to do? You're going to spend more time with that person, right? You know, your spouse, like if you have great relationship, you're going to spend more time. If you don't have great relationship, you're going to try to avoid each other, right? So, so that's exactly the same thing. If your accounts love what you're doing and are engaging, they're going to spend more time on your website. So if marketing is doing their job, Imagine you have 50 accounts that you want to go after. They don't, you already have their contact information from LinkedIn Navigator and all that stuff. You don't need marketing to create leads anymore. You already have those email addresses of contact. What you need to know is which of these 50 accounts are actually engaging with us so that we can focus on them and more aggressively go after them because you can't go after every one of these 50 accounts. So imagine if you can start tracking Instead of leads, say, these are the 50 accounts. I have all the content, all the contacts I need. I want to know how many of these accounts are interested in me. And the way you do that is actually figuring out, and marketing can do their advertising, direct mail, email content, all of the campaigns they want to do, target to these 50 accounts, and then tell you and show you on your website, hey, out of these 50 accounts, here are the 10 accounts that are spending more time on your website. And as soon as that happens, you now know that you don't need to go after all these 50 accounts. You need to focus your time on these 10 accounts because they are more engaged. So I believe time is the metric that is so not tracked or, or so kind of like thought about like, well, an afterthought. I think time is one of the most important metrics that marketing should be tracking and sharing with the sales team. Okay. And that's something that they can track using what kind of tools? Using Terminus or using, uh, uh, is there a way, how, how do they do that usually? I mean, definitely what Terminus can do that. You can also do that through Google Analytics. You can also uh -huh. do that by putting some kind of tracking code and stuff like that. And there are tons of other tools that I'm sure people can find out. The, the point really though is that, is that a metric that people are tracking? No. Are people even thinking about time? And or if you know that he, these accounts are spending more time with you than others, what 
difference would it make in your ability to prioritize those accounts? But you're absolutely right. Like Terminus tracks it, and and that's something that we we can't look at very much. Like that's over. Like the it, we don't care about lead scoring and all those things just because they downloaded 50 pieces of content doesn't mean they read it, right? So, but if I know they spend time on my website and these are my target accounts, not any account, but my target accounts, now I know game is on. Okay. Okay. Perfect. All right. So, so now I want to talk about where do the SDRs fit into your game plan <laughs> at, at Terminus? Since you guys are like the laboratory uh, for a- ABM and, you know, the, the usual, the usual approach is like, Hey, you know, our sales are down. We need more appointments. Let's hire some SDRs. You know, I mean, that's kind of the thought process. So where does it come in, in your grand scheme of things? Yeah, I mean, I, again, I'll be very honest. Like we did, we did it all. We, you know, in the early days, we kind of did as many calls as we can because we're early stage, like startup company and all that stuff. And we realized, man, we are burning people out. We are burning our customers out. We actually knew that we were like, like really making some of these relationships bad. Uh, with people who are never going to be our customers because we just blasted, blasted, blasted with SDR calling and emailing. So we had to put an end to that. And and the way now SDR works, it's a beautiful model uh, to kind of think about. And I'll highly recommend, you know, Todd or somebody to, you know, if you want to really get into the process of what they're doing. But I'll tell you how when I see it, it's, it's just so magical. Literally, we use, and, and I'll go through all the tools that we use. Is that okay? Like just to kind of talk through all the tech that we use to kind of do ABM. Sure. Okay. So, you know, we literally, you know, the, the team will first, what, what they would warm up these accounts through Terminus ads. So that way, you know, these accounts know that, you know, we, these accounts are important for us. Like, so we tier it and, and the right tiered accounts and stuff. Then the sales team starts doing video. And like, so they literally, we use Vidyard, for example, their, you know, Chrome plugin, and they literally do a video. So let's say one of the SDR is Taylor. Taylor would literally say, hey, Joe at Square, uh, I'm just on your website and she'll show her face as well as like she'll have a whiteboard in her hand and that just take, puts their name on it. So we make it super personalized. So she will literally say, hey, you're one of our best fit accounts that we believe that ABM is the right thing for you. Here's why I think it is. And here's why I want to get, get in touch with you. So if you have time, let's, spend, let's, let's chat in the next couple of weeks. So she literally creates a personalized video and then she can do that because she only has 50 accounts to work on. She doesn't have thousands of accounts. So she creates things like that and then kind of shares that with them. Then, you know, a couple of weeks later, if that hasn't done, we'll send them a direct mail with a copy of uh, account-based marketing book. We'll send one to marketing, one to sales and say that, hey, you guys might want to talk about this because this is allow sales and marketing to come together. If that doesn't work, we'll, uh, you know, we'll, in, we'll do a personalized video, me and my you know, counterpart like Todd will do a video saying that, hey, you are really an important account for us. We're being hard to get in touch with you. But as an executive team, we believe that we can really, truly serve you. So this is our last call or last effort that we want to do with you. We'd love to get in front of you and make sure that you recognize the power of what our product can do for you. And if it's interest, great. If not, we totally, totally understand. So we'll do some sort of like a personalized executive outreach as well to their executive on their site. Again, well, the only reason we can do all these different touch points at a, such a personalized level is because we only care about those 50 accounts per rep. And the rep will find every way possible information about these people and the accounts in order to make them super valuable and super personalized 
to that person and to that company. So that's kind of our tool stack. We use Terminus, we use Vidyard, we use SalesLock for our cadences and a whole bunch of like, you know, uh, tools, like obviously Salesforce. So it's, it's, it's been a, just a combination of many things and many people involved in it. And it's very coordinated, obviously, with what you're doing from a strategic perspective. The, the SDR team is a very coordinated part. It's an arm of that effort. Absolutely. I mean, it's no longer, I mean, again, we have made all the mistakes. So it's not that we got it and we don't know. I don't think we got it all right. Even now we, we, you know, we stumble, but, but we have learned that when you reduce the number of accounts and you create value through every step of the process and no touch is, is a random touch. It's every touch is something of value that we want to provide and put, give our person, add our personality. So people know that there's a real person behind that email as opposed to a uh, kind of templated email and things like that the the open rate and click-through rates on those are off the roof they're not less than one percent they are like 30 40 50 percent because it's incredibly valuable information got it okay and and so it's interesting because we talk about the silent sales floor uh, sometimes. It's like this phenomenon in the sales development community of nobody's talking on the phone to customers. It's just like uh, clicking on their computer. But um, you know, the 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 fear of a lot of sales leaders is they walk through the the. It's like a library. It's like nobody's talking to anybody. Oh, you know, th- this might. Uh, be detrimental to our sales. But for your team, that sounds like that's not quite an issue because they might be doing research. They might be planning a strategy. They might be, you know, digging in on one of the accounts. So you're not as worried about that. Am I, is that a yeah. fair assumption? Yeah, we're not worried about that at all. I think uh-huh. it's, you know, at the end of the day, uh, what works today may not work tomorrow. Um, the strategy we are doing today may not work because it may be overused. So we're always looking for new ways and we reward. We have this internal team. Uh, our core value is keys to the Ferrari, uh, which oh. literally means that like, guys, you know, you have the keys to the Ferrari. Don't wait for somebody to give you a green flag and say, go like you have the keys in your pocket. You drive it. This is your Ferrari. We hired you because we believe that you're one of the smartest people. So, the, you know, Morgan Ingram, right? I mean, like he came in and he said, you know what? I want to do these things. We we're like, great, go for it. We want people to have their personal brand. We, we know people buy from people. We all know that people like people. We all know the fact that we would there will be companies that we will never buy from because we don't like the salesperson in that company, right? And there are things like, or we'll buy from this company because the salesperson in this company is incredible. And I know they will bend over backwards. So uh, we all know that we all are so emotionally charged human beings that we do things purely a lot of times just because we, we love. And, and that's a feeling that you can't replicate in a product, right? So uh, we, we, I, try, I truly believe that you know, the more you harness the creativity of people and not make it a system, make it an make a in, innovative process, right? And, and it's a continuous process of improvement. You know, you, we all are surprised by the amazing things our customers do. We really didn't know, like quite honestly, when we started with ABM, that it will go beyond so many different uh, upsell, cross-sell velocity campaigns and things like that. But man, I, I am blown away with the creativity that people have. No, it's no, funny. It's- I have a perfect example of this. Is um, I've, I've never actually met you. But I feel like I know you because you're always <laughs> putting out really high high value content and you're doing videos and all these things. So I feel like I know you. So just a quick story. I was I was at Dreamforce a couple weeks ago and 
uh, I had finally landed a meeting with this guy that I've been trying to meet face to face for a long time. And we, we, we finally met up and we sat down and we were having a cup of coffee and we were just about to get started. And you walked by and <laughs> I was like, I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> there he is. I really wanted to meet you because I felt like I knew you already, but yeah, I couldn't awesome. be rude to this guy. But anyway, so I, I'm I feel, glad you did. Yeah. I'm glad you did. That was the right thing to do. <laughs> but I feel like your creativity has really shown through and, and, uh, you know, I, emotionally, it's like you're you're building a connection with the audience, which I think it's hard. Just taking it back to my initial question, if you just are trying to follow like that old lead gen, demand gen playbook of, you know, like make a million phone calls and and spray and pray and all that stuff, you're not building up that trust that you have to have nowadays. Now, and that's and that's the key phrase you just said. Trust, like you know, trust it transcends everything. Like, and it's in, in measure. You can't measure trust. Uh, you can't measure like emotional connection. And and again, we're not we're not trying to you know sell that something doesn't work. Like we're all in the business of selling uh, something at the end of the day. But but we all value trust more than anything else. And and when we trust something, we would essentially pay more for it. We would essentially be okay with some misses. We would be okay. like all those things. We we know we know that our customers of Terminus have given us a pass so many times. We don't have a perfect product, especially didn't have it two years ago when we started off. But people, I know customers who have stuck around with us because they said, you know what? We believe in your vision. We believe that you're going to do everything you can to make it better. And they have stuck with us just because they like us. They're just because they know we're working hard and we care enough to do the best we can. So. I think that you just said something that truly, truly connects with me as, you know, just as a person is like, we, we have all, we are really, if we are in any business, I feel like we're in the business of creating trust. Yeah. And, and, you know, that brings me, I, I, I know that your time's valuable. We're coming up on the hour. So it brings me to my last quick question that I have for you. I want to talk about this flip my funnel movement and the, the road shows that you were doing. And just a quick, quick backstory on that is about a year ago, I was thinking about uh, the, the sales development conference to, to have a conference around sales development. I pitched it to a few people. They weren't interested. So I, I literally, I'd watched that video that you did and you were talking about your perspective on putting it together and I just went ahead and did it and it was super successful awesome. and I thank you for inspiring me honestly to do it so so tell me about how did you come up with flip my funnel what was your thought process there just in case folks are not aware of uh, your thought process behind that sure so for just people who don't know flip my funnel is a community that is you know out there to build the largest b2b community of you know, marketers, it kind of started with marketers and now we have like sales and customer success kind of joining in. So hopefully one day we'll bring, build together a great community of just people who want to challenge the status quo. And the idea was simple, the flip funnel that we just walked through earlier in the call. And it was like, well, you know, we can create a terminus event or we can create a community event where people are coming in and talking about this. And we don't need to kind of take the center stage. We don't need to have logo of our brand everywhere. We want to really bring people together. And if, if that's what we tried to do, what would happen? So it was literally a dream. So we literally pulled together in our first event in Atlanta in 2015 after we, you know, uh, after a flight, you know, came back from the flight and we put an event literally in two months and we had like 350 people show up. 
And all the people that spoke at the conference were all like thought leaders and practitioners. We did not have a single session at the conference. And even today, we have done like nine conferences. We still do not have a session on Terminus and a product pitch or anything like that. We are a booth just like everybody else. We're putting together our next conference in August 9th, on August 9th in 2018. You can check it out on flipmyphone.com. And it's all around the same idea. It's like, hey, let's just bring community. We're like now 1,000 plus people are coming to the conference. The community grew from, in 2015, we had 500. 2016, we had about 3,000. And 2017, we are about 7,000 people now. So the community is just growing leaps and bounds. And, and, I, and, and all these people who are sponsoring the conference are like Salesforce, Marketo, Engageo, obviously Terminus. And, and like there are 60 sponsors at the last conference. And again, if you think about it, we're still a startup company, two, three years in, in, in the works. And we're putting this massive conference together. And I believe that that's happening because one, people recognize that we're trying to do something good here and we're trying to not just pitch our product, we're trying to create and spark an idea and a movement. And, and the sponsors feel good about it too because they know they're not kind of sponsoring Terminus, they're sponsoring the community. So all in all, it's a win for the people who attend, it's a win for the people who speak, and it's a win for the vendors who want to sponsor something like this. So I, I believe that I'll, I'll invite everybody to think about creating whatever community you want to create in your niche and, and trying to, I think the most selfish thing you can do quite honestly, is, is being selfless. And I kind of want to almost end that on, on that note because I think you know, the most selfish thing you absolutely can do is, is be selfless because as soon as you drop your armor, you drop your logo, and you drop things, you become human. And all of a sudden, you get, you're, you're more attractive to, to people than when you, you know, put your logo of your brand all over your body and face and, and everything. So I believe the most selfish thing you possibly can do is be selfless. That is amazing. That is a great way to put it because, you know, that it's, it was funny because I saw, I saw your discussion and I put together the conference. It was just called the Sales Development Conference. And my company is called 10 Bound, but that wasn't really emphasized. And then I heard somebody saying, oh, are you going to the 10 Bound Conference? <laughs> and I was like, what? That's not yeah. what it's called. Um, you know what I mean? Cause yeah, that is, I'm so proud of you, man, for doing uh, that because it's hard to do and it takes guts to pull that together. Yeah. And But when you do it, I think people recognize and people will give you credit. They are all thinking about you and they're all giving you credit. And But the, you don't. none of us have to do it in this loud, brash way. We have to do it in a, uh, in a human way. Exactly. To build up that trust. And then honestly, like just taking it all the way back to the beginning, you know, you were in the right place at the right time in your transitional period. And you had a good wife who gave you some good advice to stick around <laughs> in Atlanta, but you had to put yourself out there and take a risk and, you know, get out of your house and go talk to people to be able to do that. So it's not, a, it's not, you were, you know, in the right place at the right time, but you also had to put yourself out there and be be selfless and try something new. And I think that's another takeaway, folks. You know, you got to get out there to get in the right place at the right time, get out into your community, be selfless, you know, because that, that ultimately will benefit you. Absolutely, man. Amen. <laughs> Amen to that. Very good. Well, uh, Sangram, that was awesome. I knew it would be. I also already want to do round two. I had a lot of fun chatting with you. And definitely, if you if the audience hasn't connected, can they uh, go over to LinkedIn? What's the best way to get in touch with you? 
Yeah, man, I'm I'm all over LinkedIn and Twitter. So at yep. Sangram Vajare, you can find me. Uh, you can tweet me if you want a copy of the book. You can tweet at me. I'll I'll happy to send that over too. So I'm I'm all about kind of spreading the love. Yeah, man, this book is awesome. By the way, I mean, if anyone, if it's a it's a blueprint. If you want to be able to you know talk about this and implement it at your company, I would definitely pick up a copy of the book. Thanks again, and I appreciate you supporting our sales development community. I love it, man. Well, thanks for having me on the call. And hopefully it was valuable to each and every one of your community members. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.